Yeah, I love that, and I always say that the lottery is a tax for people who are bad at math. Welcome to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. In this weekly podcast, Kirby and Bill talk about the world of marketing, branding, and promotional products. Unscripted is available only at promocorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. And welcome to episode number 130 of Unscripted as we approach the Christmas holiday. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie. With me, as always, is the rear admiral of Rubber Ducks, <laughs> the Commodore of Christmas, the one and only Dr. Kirby Hossaman. Kirby, how the hell are you today? I'm doing well. A little, As we just discussed like two seconds ago, I'm a little bit overwhelmed today, but I think, you know, sometimes when you get back from a road trip, that's how it is. Yep. And, uh, but I think in a... In, Six hours from now, I'll be great. How about you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, you are overwhelmed. I am just whelmed today. (laughs) Um, But you know what also also overwhelms me, Kirby? What's that, Bill? I'd be the good people at Communion Like, and they overwhelm me with one thing and one thing only, and that's unabashed joy. Because, you know, after 20 years in business, they love being seen as new and up and coming. And as we've talked about on this podcast, they are so focused on those journals, notebooks, gift boxes, and folders. They know what they do. They love what they do, and I love that. Don't call them if you need a T-shirt, you need a new (laughs) battery charger, you need a new uh, set of headphones. That's not what they do. There's plenty of other companies in the industry that focus on that. But where they focus, they are the best, and that is those journals, notebooks, gift boxes, and folders. You know, you and I have uh, had an opportunity to see – a lot of their products in action, and I was thinking about at SKU Camp when they had at every table, they had the boxes to put away your cellular devices so you could yeah. focus on the content. I thought that was an ingenious use of a, uh, a promo product at an event like that. Well, it was it became a talking point, right? And and the idea of getting rid of distractions in a moment like that so you can be all in, yes, that's a great use of a promo box. It, it, it absolutely is. And that's just only one of the many uses that the good folks at Chameleon, like Pierre and Alex, can come up with if you do a little joint venturing with them and really explore what your client is trying to achieve in terms of moving their target audience to action and driving conversions. So go ahead and head over to chameleonlike.com. You won't be sorry you did. Alex and Pierre, they're going to take care of you, and they're going to develop something that's just going to wow your clients. Kirby? Are you ready to broadcast at a mistletoe level today? <laughs> I, I don't even know what that means, but sure, let's do All it. Right. I don't know what it means. Would you like me to go first today, or would sure. you like to go first? All go right. for it, bro. So, Kirby, I happened to go on the Promotional Products Professionals Group <laughs> on Facebook uh, earlier this week. Okay. And I saw a post that um, someone had received their catalogs, and in this case, I actually will name the supplier. Um, It came from Prime Resources, and it didn't have any pricing in the catalog. Hmm, Instead, at the bottom of the page uh, or pages, it said, for current pricing, please check basically the website. Right. And this person was just beside herself, <laughs> upset. Oh, my gosh, this is horrible. It's the worst thing in the world. I can't believe you do this. It's the end of promotional products marketing as we see it. <laughs> so I wanted to get your take on that before you do, if I may share mine, yeah, if you please. don't mind. Yeah. 
That's the most ignorant stance I think I've ever seen in in a um, post on on promotional product professionals. And I'm not making fun of the person who said it. I understand what you're saying, that it's very easy to have a catalog with pricing in it. But for the love of all things promo, would you please look at it from the perspective of the supplier? Not only you know take take away the the current worry about tariffs, which may completely impact pricing right. in 2019, but just from a perspective of inventory levels, a pri- just normal pricing fluctuations as as the year goes on, it's so much better and so much more intelligent and so much more cost effective. And by the way, when it's cost effective for the supplier, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're putting more money in their pocket. It means it's more cost effective for you, Mr. and Mrs. Distributor, and therefore more cost effective for your end user clients. It's more cost effective to them to have a digital catalog, um, something like a page flip on Promo Corner or a Zoom catalog through them or whatever where you can update that information in real time. You can look at, uh, at what's available from an inventory perspective because you can just take that off of a, of a digital, uh, either online or a digital catalog. It just drives me nuts when distributors so focused on having it the way they've always had it, they can't really see the forest for the trees. And I wanted to get, I don't know, oh, you may completely disagree with me because you are a distributor. I'm not. I'm a mere service provider in the industry, Kirby. <laughs> so what say you? And, and no, so, so a couple things. Number one, I think, you know, generally speaking, um, any time that, and I didn't see this uh, post just for the interest of transparency, so this is new to me. Um, generally speaking, I think that the posts like this on Facebook, uh, Promotional Products Professional page, tend to be, uh, sensationalists, mm-hmm. I mean, to, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. But so here's here's my take on it. Um, and again, this is my first hearing of it. But um, so I understand what you're saying um, because you're right. I think from the supplier's perspective, and quite frankly, from a growing percentage of our end users' perspective, the idea of sending them online and gathering that information, especially the pricing, because it's going to be most updated online, mm-hmm. is um, it, it it makes sense for a, a good percentage of folks. Right. On the other hand, I would say then just do that. Um, the idea of printing a catalog that doesn't have pricing in it seems absurd to me. Like, don't bother printing the catalog from my perspective because because you're saying, well, look, it's much better to have um, the the client just get the updated pricing, all that sort of thing. Sure, but. It's not just about the distributors being stuck in their ways. It's about the end user. And despite the fact that everybody's talking about, well, millennials are taking over the world and that's that's great, there's still a huge percentage of Gen Xers and baby boomers in the marketplace who still want a damn catalog. And so like, either do it or don't do it. I think the problem from my perspective is you were, you're half pregnant in this. Like you either, either do the catalog or don't do the catalog, but the idea that you would send me something without pricing, actually I'd... I think that's annoying. See, here's where I'm going to really disagree with you. A couple things that, where first of all, where I do agree with you. Yes, there are a certain segment of of the end users that absolutely want and desire a catalog. And by and the those, way, just just yeah. for what it's worth, it's bigger than what we're saying. No like, question it is. I'm not saying it's 5%. Yeah, it's probably yeah. 30 to 40% that do like that catalog. And I'm not saying let's get rid of the catalog entirely. There's part of me that would like that, but that's not realistic. So I do think... You know, again, you cater to your audience, and the audience in this case is the ultimate end user who are buying from distributors. My point is, for me, if I'm a distributor, I would love catalogs without the pricing. You know why? 
I get to set the pricing now. Mm. Um, to me, it's a sales tool. To me, a catalog with pricing, especially because we have the dumb industry codes that have been around since 1822, and our end users have figured that out years ago, um, what those pricing codes mean. It puts, actually, I think, distributors at a disadvantage to show a catalog that has pricing in it. I would. I don't mind a catalog for ideas. I do, like I said, there are a certain segment of, of end users that do want a catalog because it's easier to look through. They're not, they don't want to do it digitally. Look, I still like to read a, a physical book. I don't right. use a Kindle. I get it. My point is because you're, you're introducing so much more cost to the process if you put pricing in there and you're putting your distributors, who are your salespeople, in a very uh, competitive disadvantage by for your product line because they're going to have, have to have many uncomfortable conversations out of stock on that because I didn't realize it because they're just, you know, as a distributor, you are a middleman. You don't know what's necessarily in stock or out of stock when you're showing and showcasing ideas. You don't. And okay. so I love – if so I do agree – Print catalogs do have their place. I would love an option where there wasn't pricing in it so that I could drive that conversation with my client and set pricing. So I like what you're saying there uh, in the idea of being able to set pricing. And I guess part of it is how you utilize the tool, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, and, and I think you know this about me, I never... Like, I literally can't remember the last time I handed out a catalog to a client. Right. And okay. I'm just talking, I'm talking about there is a subsection of our industry, for lack of a better term, Kirby, and you know this, they're lazy. Mm -hmm. They will drop off a catalog. They'll say, hey, we can put your logo on anything in there. Let me know what you want. I know you're not that person. But Kirby, just like, just like there are 30 to 40% of people who still want to print catalog, there are probably 60 to 70% of promotional product salespeople that sell that way. No, and that's I, I think that makes sense. But the other thing, but back to the idea that I don't hand out catalogs, but I do use them as uh, tools for myself. Sure. So, so, and what I would say is, when in, just like everybody else, I get a client who says, look, I have this, this campaign coming up, mm -hmm. and our budget is X, right? Five bucks per item or whatever. So for me, well, now I'm never going to go to that catalog, right? Like, I will go to their competitors' catalogs who actually give me the information I need. But so, and ahead. I understand what you're saying, but I'm telling you, that's like a lot of times when I'm just brainstorming ideas, that's where I could start. And I, if you don't arm me with that information, I won't use you. I completely understand that, but that's why I think suppliers should have a, an option where I want this many print catalogs mm. with, with, with pricing, this many without. But I will tell you with the scenario you just mentioned, when you're looking for ideas and you want to present them to your client, that's where a digital catalog really can help, right? Yeah. Because you can say, I want these pages, these pages, and these pages. You make your own custom digital catalog. You can zip it off to them. And totally. that can be, you know, again, that doesn't need to have pricing. It, do, mm -hmm. you know, it, it doesn't need to have pricing. When you put so pricing mm -hmm. everywhere, you suddenly become a commodity. Yes, Kirby, do you need the pricing? Because you know what your end user's budget is? Absolutely, you need to know what the pricing is. Does your end user need to know exactly what the pricing is between this one, this one, this one, this one, and this one? No, because they start doing that and they start comparison shopping by price, not quality. Yeah, I guess. I, but I would also say that your clients want to know what the price is. Um, so I, You I, tell them. It, it, fair, but then you're doing that in a digital format, so you're telling them price one way or another. Yeah, um, but so, you get to you get to drive the conversation. No, it's it's yeah. not it's not the supplier driving the conversation; it's you driving the conversation as the distributor. It's giving you total control over it. 
Yeah, and I like the idea of maybe doing it both ways, um, but the but I, I would keep coming back to, you just said, right? So their sales force, if you're a supplier and you're in this conversation, what we want them to do is one thing, but what you just said 60 to 70% of them are doing is a total mm-hmm. another thing, and mm-hmm. you are te- you're doing something that's counterintuitive to what your sales force wants. Well, sometimes what they want is not what they need. And <laughs> so, enough. you know, we want, you want the industry to change. Some, someone has to make a change. Yep. And, you know, yeah, we, you know, you know, we could go a whole hour on this mm-hmm. topic because you and I don't necessarily agree on right. it hundred percent. So well, I hear it. I hear what you're saying. So, I just disagree with you. Yeah. And that's fair. That's fair. So, uh, and I think one of those things is it, it's ingrained in me from when I started in the industry, just from a perspective is that when I got in, apparel catalogs it was kind of across the board that they never had pricing in it right right like and that because drove, it fluctuated too much yeah that drove me batshit crazy as a salesperson because i'd be sitting in front of a client talking to them about a product and they'd be like wow this one's really nice mm-hmm. and in their head it's a 25 dollars shirt and i sure. say oh it's 50 bucks right, right? and they they think i'm a used car salesman so by having some some baseline of pricing, that was really helpful to me as a salesperson in front of the client. So that's sort of my background about it. So I think that's one of the reasons I land where I do. Which I understand, but you are also one of the more adaptable people I know. And so I, I think, you know, your way of selling has completely shifted from oh, yeah. when you got into this industry. True. And if you could talk to the Kirby Hossaman who started uh, way back at JII in 2002, two, four, one, whatever it was, mm-hmm. you would say, hey, stop doing it this way. I need you to, you to start doing it this way, this way, this way. Use this approach. I think it's time we start shifting our approach as well to ensure that we're driving value for the end user client, but also removing the friction from the process. Because I think a lot of times that pricing in the catalog is a source of friction because it ends up being a race to the bottom that nobody wants to win. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think you're right. I think this is one of those places where I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't like the idea of there not being pricing. Well, Kirby, we've so far wasted 13 minutes and 47 <laughs> seconds of this podcast, which is outstanding. Why don't you get us off a different topic here, my friend? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so one of the things I, I say is, it's you know, we're at the end of the year, and um, it it's uh, today, as you know, we've got some staffing issues within mm-hmm. my office. There's, mm-hmm. you know, the end of the year sometimes needs sick days, sometimes it means vacation, sometimes it means, and it occurs to me that this is the time of the year that I'm reminded that it's important as a leader to be a little bit of a jack of all trades. Yes. Uh, because um, today, one of my employees, M, who is totally my right hand, mm-hmm. uh, is sick. Um, and she rarely misses, so when she does, it's like, oh, man. Uh, and then um, M, uh, Libby in my office, mm-hmm. who does accounts receivable and payable and all that stuff, has had a little family thing, and so right. she's out. And then Josh is on vacation, and all of a sudden this morning, I'm like, okay, I'm checking customer service. Mm-hmm. My wife's going to be doing invoicing. I was literally running the printer at 7 o'clock this morning. So it was one of those where um, I think this is the time of year that reminds you that you need to understand a little bit about each area of your business. Is right. that, do, do you agree with that or are you more about, look, I'm gonna do my thing and everybody does their own? No, it's really interesting you bring this up because I've had some conversations this week about that in my office. So I have a very, you know, you and I both lead organizations. Right. And so my approach during the holidays is, um, and I could certainly say I'm, I'm the boss, I'm taking time off, 
then everybody else will will make sure somebody's watching the store. Right. And so you guys will each get some time off, but may not be the time off you originally wanted. I've always taken a different approach. I've go, I went to every employee and said, when do you want to take time off during the holidays? I will work around you. Um, and I just think that's an important way to, to lead an organization. So I'm working next week. I'm right. working every day next week, which is yeah. not a big deal. I'll get a ton done. Yeah. But but um, to your so so yes, I need to know every aspect of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that when I came on board to Promo Corner, um, Joel and I mutually agreed, and, and he probably drove it more than I did to give him credit that I need to understand every aspect of the organization, and so. I learned how to do everything, mm-hmm. and and as you know, we made uh, staffing changes and we realigned resources and things like that. You know, I learned how to make set up all the blogs and promo journal and how to set up the podcast. I learned how to uh, work the calendar when we send out emails. I know how to create digital catalogs. I know every aspect of our business, including billing. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not a strength of mine. I mean, I know right. every bit of it. Am I, am I an expert in it? No. And so the analogy I used uh, earlier this week with one of, one of the people who, who I work with here is, look at our organization as a seven-lane highway. You have your lane. Your, your you know, coworker B has this lane. Coworker C has this lane. Coworker D and so on and so forth. My responsibility is to, uh, your responsibility is to stay in your lane and go as fast as you can, as efficiently as you can, as best you can, right? Best quality work you can do in your lane. My job is to oversee that highway and make sure that there's no potholes, make sure that there's no speed traps, and make sure that we're going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But at any given time, I need to be able to hop in that car in that lane and be able to drive because you're not available. And that's really, so so that's the, you know me, I love analogies. That's the (laughs) analogy I came up with. And honestly, I kind of like it. But that's, that's how I view the organization, that it's my responsibility as the leader of the organization to really understand everybody's job. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'm sure as you get to be a larger and larger organization, that becomes harder and harder. So, you know, some of these folks who are running, you know, from the power 50 who are running bigger organizations, mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's about appreciation too. Um, oh, no you know, question. So one of the things like for when Dustin was here, you know, mm-hmm. he was with me for 10 years. What I found is because I knew how to edit, I was yep. able to give him better feedback when he was stuck. Right. Right. And not only the feedback of how it might be done well, but also understanding how hard the thing I'm asking him to do actually is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. sometimes I would make two suggestions. Hey, here's how I think the easy way to fix this is. And here's how I think the better way to fix it. Is. Right. And so yeah. you got to know the job for that. You, you do. And I think as you do become bigger, it's easier to become detached because you have really good people working for you. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I really enjoy when uh, I get to kind of go, for lack of a better term, back in the trenches and get my hands a little dirty uh, again and do that stuff. It reminds me of how blessed I am to have a team yes. that can execute <laughs> that can execute uh, the overall vision of the organization so well. Um, so it, it, it's definitely an appreciation moment for sure. That's a great point. I always say that like if you go on vacation and I don't miss you, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. All right. So uh, this is kind of an out of the industry topic, but I think it's kind of timely. So one of the, you know, you have, uh, um, you have two daughters, one who is pursuing a dance career and the mm-hmm. other one is uh, very close to uh, looking, I'm sure she's already looking at colleges and, yep. and probably close to making a choice on colleges. 
my boys are uh, on that same track. You know, they'll mm-hmm. be going to college uh, theoretically in a couple of years. And you know, looking at the pricing, um, I'm I'm kind of shocked in, in how much it is. I, you know, you always know how much it is, but you don't realize it until you really research it. Yep. And I started thinking about how much of a blue collar work shortage we have in this country. Yeah. And I know Mike Rowe, who used to host one of my favorite jo- uh, favorite shows, which was Dirty Jobs. He's a huge advocate of how we are really losing sight in this country of the importance of blue-collar skilled labor, yep. uh, whether it be carpentry, plumbing, electrician, you name it. I wanted to ask you just, you know, we can go over this fairly quickly, but do you think college is overpriced? I'm going to yes. go ahead and, okay, thank you. <laughs> yes, it's overpriced. Because I think it's become a business now. Yeah. I do think well, it's we're at a, a tipping business. point. I actually have a We are. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I have a, yeah, I think we are at a tipping point. And so the, I think the bigger question, Kirby, in a white-collar world, okay, so let's look at it. I'm going to shift the conversation a hair here. Is, in a white-collar world, is a, is a college degree, a four-year undergraduate degree, and I'm not talking about specialized things like doctors, lawyers, speech pathologists. I'm talking about just a four-year undergraduate degree. Is it necessary to succeed? So this is one of those where it's hard to be black and white because there are so many caveats. So if you want to, as you said, become a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, obviously you have to go through that specific training. It's just part of the the deal. Um, If if you want to be a success in sales, entrepreneurship, and in you know many things, content, and Mm -hmm. you know, I think the answer is absolutely one hundred percent no. I actually think we are at a tipping point. And if college cost what it cost when I graduate, which does not seem that long ago to me, you know, I came out of school with about $10,000 in debt, okay? Now, right. I had scholarships and tennis and some different things, but I had $10,000 in debt. It was a car loan, okay? No yep. big deal. Matter of fact, I actually think there was value to that because I felt like then I paid that loan back and I felt like there was value to it. No question. Right now, the idea of college has always been to expand your horizons. You, mm-hmm. you, you have a safe place where you can learn and grow and try things that you wouldn't be able to try in a place that um, you're going to learn uh, different perspectives from outside of your community. Right. And, I th- that, and in doing so, it expanded your horizons. It gave you right. more opportunities. When you come out of, of college with $150,000 in debt, that's a mortgage. You actually have less opportunities because you have to get into the workforce to start paying that debt back. I actually mm-hmm. think uh, in many cases that a uh, college um, education can be a detriment. And yeah, I, 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 I think that's a counterintuitive thought right now, but I will tell you my daughter, um, my first daughter who is uh, pursuing dance went a year and then decided to not go to college anymore. Since then, she has launched a website. She's worked mm-hmm. in my company doing social media. She like she has pursued the dance career. Like from my perspective, that is so much more valuable in a real life world experience. I mean, it's not close. Um, now, again, like my next daughter is looking at esthetician school. Mm-hmm. She's doing that partially because it is a six-month program. And right. when she's out, she's done. She's marketable. And so it's actually closer to that um, tech yep. style of education. Yep. Um, it's not from an affordability standpoint. It's from an ROI perspective. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And so I, I have a theory. We I could literally you, do a whole podcast on this. We could do a series <laughs> on this. And, yeah. and so very similar to you. So here's my thought and what I've told you know, 
well, the best thing about a four-year undergraduate degree, unless you are looking to pursue a specialized degree later, lawyer, doctor, so on and so forth, um, the best thing about four-year education is learning how to live with other people yep. and learning how to um, fail, learning how to succeed in a different environment, all those type of things. It's a lot more interpersonal life skills, I think, that I, when I look back at my time at Texas A&M, that's what I remember the most. Mm-hmm. Learning how to live with a roommate that I got assigned to, and, and we didn't like each other. Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to budget, learning how to you know, just manage my life more than anything else. I think the next generation of white-collar workers, because, again, I don't want my kids leaving school $150,000 in debt. I don't know how you recover from it. I, yeah. I really don't. Um, I, I think the next generation of really successful white-collar workers comes from community colleges. I think that two-year school, um, I think that that's probably enough of a catalyst to give you the background you need to succeed. Yeah. And, and then the rest, you can get on the job. And then maybe later on you pursue a four-year degree. But I don't look at it as this this uh, you know indicator of success, mm-hmm. like I think the people who hired us used to. Well, um, and, and I, the I other don't. thing, the other thing I, I push back on all the time, and I know you know this about me, but the the piece that I I think people are like, well, then Kirby doesn't believe in education, and that pisses That's, me off. Which is bullshit. We both <laughs> yeah. believe in education, yeah. but we don't believe being saddled in debt because of it. Yeah, I mean, I you and I both read more books than. 99% of average Americans. We believe right. in education. Like, and, and I just believe it can be self-guided. Actually, um, really quickly, Akimbo, which is the Seth mm-hmm. Godin podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. has spent the last two or three episodes talking about what is school for. Uh-huh. And so anybody who wants to dig deeper into this, he's much more articulate about this than me. Um, mm-hmm. it's, he's, it's really good. I had not heard that. I haven't listened to that podcast in a while, and I need to pick it back up. You know, only so many hours in a day because I'm totally. busy learning and working. Right. Um, but I agree that we could do a whole podcast on this. But I just I, I I worry about the future of our country and how many people feel like I have to go to this four year school to succeed, and you walk out with hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in debt. I just don't know how. I think the generation behind ours, Kirby is the first one that will do worse off than their parents, that will do less than their parents. Actually, um, Mark Cuban had an interesting take on this, and I'll keep it super brief because I know we want to move on, but um, he actually said that if he, somebody had asked him if he could fix education, he said, yeah, I could fix it overnight, mm-hmm. is that I would, he would cap the amount that, is it um, Fannie Mae, the, uh-huh. the, 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 educa- the amount oh. of loan you could take out. Yeah, I forget. I don't know. Okay, but but the idea that the amount of loan you could take out for education, he said, I would cap it at ten thousand dollars a year. Yeah, he said it would fix our economy and our education system because the universities that are so bloated with all of these services mm-hmm. would have to come back to earth, and then all of a sudden you come out with forty thousand dollars in debt. Again, yeah. that's a different conversation. It, it is, and again, we could. There are going to be people who comment and say, "You missed this point. You missed this point." Yeah, we did, but I bet we're thinking about them. But we only have so much time, and, sure. and so we should we should revisit this one. I, I like this topic. Cool, Kirby. Do you want to do a quick one? Do you want to just go into fill in the blank? It's up to you. I'll you make it super quick. Yeah, make it super quick. quick. Super so, quick. LinkedIn. I just saw this last night as I was yeah. researching for this. Um, there's an article saying, "Is giving notice out of date?" Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. In an economy where jo- job openings are outnumbering the available employee, mm-hmm. um, is giving two weeks notice losing its currency? Um, I, I have an opinion. I say no, but I wanted your take on it. Absolutely not. Um, if someone 
resigned from Promo Corner and did not give two weeks, um, I would absolutely think less of them. I would mm-hmm. think less of them professionally, and I would think less of them from a character perspective, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's uh, To me, it's a courtesy. It's uh, and, and you can say, look, I'm giving two weeks notice, but if there's any way we can shorten that because I really like to start over here, that's fine. I have yeah. no no issue with that. But Agreed. to me, to just walk in one day and drop a bomb, you are – to me, it's a selfish thing because you are – it's not just about you because what you do – go back to my – car lane analogy your lane affects other lanes yeah and you're asking a lot of people to scramble for you um i've said it before i'll say it again there are a few things more delicious in life than walking into your boss resigning and knowing you're going to a better place because it's one of those few moments in life you have absolute control over your professional career mm-hmm. and, and you should enjoy that and so from a selfish perspective take the two weeks and enjoy that enjoy leaving your organization not in a bad way do it the right way yeah i i mean again from my perspective it's common courtesy and the idea that there you have another opportunity doesn't change the common courtesy piece Uh, absolutely absolutely all right kirby um i think we should go into fill in the blank and you know fill in the blank is sponsored by don't you who's that bill that'd be our good friends at fall promotions you know we're approaching that magical time of year where the entire industry descends on Las Vegas, Nevada for the PPAI Expo. And, and of course, Vault is going to be there. And they're going to be on the floor showing demos of their online badge program and all of their new products they have. They're in booth number 2674. That's 267 Flow. 7 Flow. <laughs> 2674 on the show floor. And here's the other thing. In addition, it's a tradition unlike any other, as our friend Jim Nance might say. They'll be handing out the crazy badges for you to snag for yourself or give to others. And they're going to do that in the lobby this year, right behind registration. Uh, so you can grab a badge and snap some f- pictures. They're going to be they're going to have a photo booth out there, and they're going to be giving away uh, $100 gift cards. You can enter the contest to do that, and they're giving them out all week long uh, to the best photos taken. So um, they're going to have... Uh, you can go to badgesmakemecrazy.com, get a little some details there. But if you remember, they have some funny badges, and I want to read some of the ones you can absolutely pick up at the uh, little booth they have right behind registration. I'm just here for the drinks. Yep. 5% tipper. <laughs> Passive aggressive director. <laughs> I'm here for the samples. Yeah. Do you sell direct? <laughs> <laughs> um, Is there I, pricing in your catalog? That's right. Apathy chairman. <laughs> <laughs> the beverage dissemination officer. I like that one. I want to yeah. be a. I want to be a BDO. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and uh, put that in your notes two six seven four, and then stop at the booth right behind registration. Visit Vault Promotions. You will not be sorry you did. Kirby, you ready to have a rousing round to fill in the blank? Let's do this thing. All right, Kirby. Mine is themed this week. It is a Christmas theme. We are okay. approaching Christmas. It's only a few days away. Kirby, the most difficult person to shop for for Christmas is blank. Uh, my wife. I uh, figured you'd say that. Yeah, and honestly, so it, here's my a really quick story. Women in in my life, and I've heard it said before, they say that if you if you 
as a man, if you want to know what they buy, just li- what they need or what they want for a gift, just listen to them all year long and you'll find mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that that is 100% not true. Uh, and I have, I, have, I have done this over and over and it has repeatedly come back to bite me uh, where I give uh, Amy something that she said she wanted in June. Uh, time for another podcast, but th- she's just mortified. And I'm like, well, you said that you want this. So uh, she, she's not a person who has a ton of hobbies and things like that. So, um, yeah, Amy is definitely the hardest person for me. Then why do I always know what to get your wife for Christmas? <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question. You must right. ask Sandy. Um, so, ironically, my uh, theme this week is gifts. Nice. All right. So, the best gift you've gotten in the last few years has been? Um, my sushi making kit. Nice. Um, I, love, I love to learn new things, as you know. We talked yep. about earlier. It's a li- I love to learn. And, you know, I'm at the point now, you know, if I want a pair of jeans, I'll go pick it up. If I want a pair of shoes, I'll go pick it up. So I generally don't ask for those type of things for Christmas. So what uh, we've decided to do in my family is, is we give experiences, and I wanted to learn how to make sushi. That's cool. And so I got a really cool sushi-making kit. I have a special sushi knife, which is really sharp and really scary. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> I just love that, you know, it's a gift that inspires me to do something. It's yeah. not just getting a thing. It's a gift that spurs me to action, and I love that. Cool. That's a good one. Kirby, this holiday season, you are most grateful for blank. This holiday season, I'm most grateful for health, I think. Um, you know, I think that the first thing that popped in my mind was family. That seemed like it was sort of the overused true, but mm-hmm. I think that... I. I and my family right now, you know, go, let's go through the knock on wood thing. Mm-hmm. We're, we're healthy. And yep. so that allows us to to enjoy each other's company. You know, I think that the pe- person who's healthy has hundreds and thousands of wants. The person who is not healthy has one. Right. And so I would say my health right now. I'm very Good. thankful for that. That's really awesome. Good. All right. So the worst gift you have gotten in your life is lottery tickets i can't stand (laughs) when people give me lottery tickets i don't understand that i think it's weird um i don't i don't necessarily play the lottery and so it seems like such a give up gift Um, it's like um i've got six dollars left in his budget um lottery tickets uh so i I, that i don't that's probably not the worst gift i've ever gotten but it's certainly at the top of it and certainly clearly top of my mind so i'm gonna go lottery tickets scratch off variety by the yeah, I love that. And I always say that the lottery is a tax for people who are bad at math. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I always say the lottery, buying a lottery ticket gives you the license to dream. That's all it does because you're yep. not winning. You want to you dream, go ahead and get one. Love it. All right, Kirby, if you were Santa Claus, the type of cookie you would want to be left out for you on Christmas Eve is blank. Chocolate chip. Uh, oh. It's yeah, well, but here's the thing. So I, I don't know if you know that. I, I'm not a sweet eater. I right? do know this. I yeah. know. That's why, that's why I thought this was an interesting question. And so it's funny. All of a sudden, probably in the last six months, I've suddenly gained a hankering for chocolate chip cookies. I, I, that's not something like growing mm-hmm. up I was big on. Yep. I, like all of a sudden, whether I'm at Subway, you know, or there's one laying out, a good chocolate chip cookie, it's almost made me like, hey, I do like some sweets. And so I would definitely go with that. There's nothing wrong with a quality Otis Spunkmeyer chocolate chip cookie on occasion, my friend. I love it. it. All right. So overall, and I think you've sort of touched on this, but I'm Mm going to cue it up for you again. The style of gift you like best is? The ones where there's thought and explanation. 
Okay. I love when someone gives me a gift and they say, okay, here's why I got this for you. You had <laughs> mentioned in July this, and I yeah. saw this and immediately thought of you. That makes me feel thought about. Um, yeah. And that, to me, is really what gift giving is all about. It's not about grabbing this piece of product or that merchandise. It's about that's really cool. I think they're really going to like that. And yeah. I like getting gifts and giving gifts where there's a little risk involved. They may mm. not like it. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought about them enough to think, yeah. I think I know this person. I think they're going to like that. And I really enjoy that that moment of as they're opening it. or and, and I hope people feel the same when they give me a gift when I'm opening it. Is he going to like it? I, so I love when there's clear thought behind it. And I look at it and go, wow, what made you think of that? Not in a bad way, but just I love that. that that's what I like. That's a good one. All right. Kirby, this is a two-parter. Blank is the best Christmas song of all time, but Blank is the worst Christmas song of all time. <laughs> um, so it's funny. Uh, my, my opinion on this has probably shifted a little bit. Um, so I would say, uh, let's see, the best Christmas song of all time that would get you in a rile is uh, Wonderful Christmas Time by uh, Paul McCartney. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so normally I would say that Baby It's Cold Outside is probably oh, the worst. Yeah, um, that is bad. It's a, I don't enjoy that one, but I've come to wildly defend it over the last little bit of time. I so so there's, my, there's my answer. All right, you got one more and we go to I rapid do. fire? So the hardest part of giving gifts is? That moment of hoping that they like it. Yeah. I, you know, that I, again, I do buy gifts you know, we, we do exchange lists and I'll use that as a basis for things. And sometimes I'll get things for people right off that list because that's easy. But I mean, at that point, part of me is like, why don't I just give someone their Christmas budget and they just go buy the crap that they want? <laughs> um, and so I use that as a basis. And, and again, I try to really be intuitive and pay attention to people. Right. And um, so, again, I, I love I love that danger of, of wondering, are they going to like it? I like it. Cool, man. All right, Kirby, we are going to go into rapid fire, and we are going to rapid fire contemporary Christmas songs today. And again, okay. you, let me review the rules because you seem to have a problem with this. Yes. I'm going to give you two choices. You pick yep. one or the other. There are no other choices. It's simply one or the other with zero explanation. Are you ready, Kirby Hossman? I'll do my best. All right. Every Day is a Holiday by Katy Perry or Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson? Underneath the Tree. This Christmas by Christina Aguilera. <laughs> or My Only Wish This Year by Britney Spears. Oh, this Christmas. Mistletoe by Justin Bieber or Santa Tell Me by Ariana Grande. As I try to stretch it out to talk over the horn. That's awesome, isn't it? So I'll yeah. go with the Beebs on that oh. one. Do me a favor and please never say the Beebs <laughs> ever again. <laughs> no promises. Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Springsteen or Last Christmas by Wham? Uh, we'll go with Springsteen. I'm afraid to ask this one. Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney or Do They Know It's Christmas by Band-Aid? Oh, for sure, Wonderful Christmas Time. You're not being honest. That's not the one you would have chosen. You just <laughs> did that to draw me off sides, and I'm not going to let you. Happy Christmas War is Over by John Lennon or Little Drummer Boy by David Bowie and Bing Crosby? Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas by the Ramones or Santa, Gla Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto by James Brown? <laughs> Let's go James Brown on that one. Um, Christmas Baby Please Come Home by U2 or Ludacrismas by Ludacris? Uh, U2 <laughs> all day long. 
Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley. Have a blue Christmas without you. Um, or all I want, <laughs> or all I want is all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. Oh, definitely the Elvis for sure. Th- thank you. Yes. And the last one, Kirby, "Sexy Santa" by Steel Panther. <laughs> Or Christmas with the Devil by Spinal Tap. Uh, we're going with Sexy Santa. On that. All yeah. right. Well, Kirby, you know what else is sexy? <laughs> the packaging journals, notebooks, and gift boxes you can get from our good friends over at Chameleon Like, who are the fine sponsors of this broadcast, along with our friends at Vault Promotions. So if you want those journals, notebooks, gift boxes, folders, and gosh darn it, why not? Why wouldn't you want those to elevate the promo you give to your or you actually sell to your clients as you leaf through a catalog without pricing, <laughs> go ahead and visit our friends at Comedian Like, and Alex and Pierre are going to help you out. It's a really great way to elevate great products throughout the industry by packaging them properly and, and providing that surprise and delight that's going to move a target audience to action. Simply Kurt. having a wonderful Christmas time. Well, I was having a wonderful <laughs> Christmas time until that, Kirby. So on that note... We're going to go ahead and say goodbye. Merry Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. Thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hossaman and Bill Petrie. Unscripted is available every Friday at PromoCorner.com, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry.